This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I am excited to have you here today. We are talking all about baby wearing. So I had to get an expert in baby wearing, Laura Brown. She not only is a baby wearing expert, she's also a postpartum doula. And she's going to be talking with me all about baby wearing, how to choose a carrier, the benefits, the limitations, all these things that every parent has questions about. Thank you so much for joining me today, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So tell me a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am a baby wearing educator, also known as a baby wearing consultant, which means my specialty is teaching parents, caregivers, how to wear their baby, how to use a baby carrier. Because my oldest, we were separated at birth, which I know you have a little bit of experience with that. And wearing him just felt really natural to me. And I just wanted to teach others about it. So that sort of started me down a path of becoming a baby wearing educator. And then I also became a postpartum doula. I'm a lactation counselor. And I'm also a child passenger safety technician, also known as a car seat tech. You are doing so many different things. That's awesome. I didn't even know about the car seat safety tech. That's amazing. And the lactation counselor. That's great. And of course, you have so much expertise, but we're talking about baby wearing. What makes baby wearing something that you're so passionate about? I just think it can really be something that is for all caregivers, all parents. It has very little to do with parenting style. I think sometimes it gets associated with a certain style of parenting. Mm -hmm. And I think that really it can fit into all person's lives who are caring for a child. And it really has a special place in my heart for those who, you know, really need to be close to their babies, to bond to their babies, of course, but it's very practical. So really, it isn't for any one style of parent or person. Well, I love that you brought that up because I think baby wearing is such a great tool for so many families. And I also know that for you, it worked really well. You said that you were also separated. For me, I loved it. And then I just didn't love it anymore. And it was our personal choice. But I think it's so important that parents know about baby wearing, know how it can benefit their family if it's something they want to do. It's similar to anything in parenting, right? It's like, hey, this is something that you can do. If it works for you, I want you to have the tools to make it work for you. So this is what we'll be talking about. So first of all, in your opinion, like what are the benefits of baby wearing? When you consult with families or mothers or fathers approach you, what are you telling them in terms of the benefits and why you chose to do it also? 
So for me, I just found it to be really practical. I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen. I love to be out hiking and in nature. And it just wasn't very convenient for me to take a stroller. I laugh because my stroller collection rivals my baby carrier collection. So obviously I like both. Um, But for different activities, especially when you have a second child and you need to be there for them, let's say at a park. Yeah. um, Having the baby on my body was really the safest place for the baby. It's also so good. Obviously, we touched a little bit on the bonding aspect, but I found my partner, my husband, it really gave him the opportunity to be close and help with the baby, um, as well as, as extended family, grandparents and such. But really, babies cry less when they're being held and worn. We know this. Um, it really leads to more confidence, I think, in the parent because they're really connected and reading baby's cues, which I think when you have your first child, it can be difficult to sort of learn all these little things that the baby is telling you. We know it leads to earlier language, expressive and receptive language, because when the baby's close to you and hearing conversations, you know, a carrier can help facilitate uh, that language development, which is wonderful. And then I always say, like, whatever feeding method you're doing, a carrier can help. So if you're breastfeeding, body feeding, or if you are bottle feeding and want to get baby introduced to a bottle, a carrier can help with that, too. Yeah, awesome. And I think it's definitely great to have these options for families. The language thing, I will say I have people who don't baby wear and you can still promote language in other ways if you're not baby wearing, but I definitely course, agree with the, yes, with the closeness yes. and all that. But um, the, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Do you see any limitations to baby wearing? Or I guess my biggest question would be when people come to you or when you talk to families, what are some things that they tell you, well, it's not working or they don't like, like, what are some things that may be limitations, if you will, for baby wearing? So my experience is most people choose the wrong carrier Mm -hmm. style for their body. Mm -hmm. So it can be hard to find the right carrier. And I would definitely call that a limitation is that there is no right carrier for every person. Like there really is such a personal thing as far as how fit works. You may need different carriers for different stages that you're in with your baby's age and developmental stage, as well as the price factor. Carriers can be expensive. But I also think that we tend to put a high price value on things like car seats, obviously important, strollers, things like that. In comparison, carriers aren't very expensive, but you can also buy used. This is one of the best ways to get to know carriers is to buy secondhand. While you can't do that with car seats, you absolutely can with baby carriers. I would say that it can be hard on your body if you don't have the right carrier for you. But we also know that often postpartum, you know, if you have separation, diastasis recti or anything like that where your core is not very strong, yeah, it can absolutely aggravate that. But I also think that people tend to carry in arms anyway. Mm -hmm. So a carrier can actually be a more comfortable way to transport their baby if given the opportunity to get fitted correctly. Definitely can't sleep. (laughs) Can't sleep with a baby on you, right? You can't, but the baby can. Yeah. And there's also some medical conditions underlying where you need to seek out some help. And so I think the next question is like, okay, so there are, oh, you're right. There are so many different carriers, different price points. And then there's also carrier slings. Like if you can actually just kind of talk about terminology or maybe kind of break it down, like what a parent should be looking for when they walk into a store or online trying to find a sling versus a carrier, like the terminology, all of that. Sure. So a carrier is an overarching term for something that carries your baby. Mm -hmm. So that's really all it involves. A sling is actually a carrier that goes over one shoulder, commonly called a ring sling. It is one piece of fabric that's threaded through two rings. There's also um, 
Asian inspired or Asian origin carriers like maid eyes or on buhimus. Mm -hmm. There's also wraps, which is one long piece of fabric that you need to learn how to wrap. That's really the most common terms. They all have sort of pros and cons, just like anything else. So in the United States, buckle carriers are the most common, right? Something that buckles onto the body. The perception is that they're easier. It's actually my opinion that they're the most complicated style of carrier. I know that that sounds, you know, probably outrageous, but they have so many features now that often parents don't know how to use those features and they get really confused. Whereas something like a sling or a wrap is going to tell you when you're using it correctly or not using it correctly, if that makes sense. So there really is, depending on activity, whether you're going to be working from home and you need to sit, if you're active in hiking, if you want the option to face the baby out or wear the baby on your back, all these sort of wants are going to help you narrow down the style of carrier that you need or would work best for you. But really, there is no replacement for trying them on, which is where baby wearing groups and communities come in or working with an educator in your community. That's great. So it really comes down to finding what works for someone's body type and then what the needs are for the family. Yeah, absolutely. And really, I try to remember that Mm -hmm. just like other products like clothing is that buckle carriers are based on U.S. average dress sizes, right? So they're trying to cater to the masses. That means if you are plus sized, if you are petite, you may have a harder time getting fitted for a buckle carrier, but there's definitely carriers out there for you. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. 
Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter, where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter. Oh, this is so great. And in terms of finding like a list or resources, where can people go, like you said, to get started on that? So I always recommend if you're from a culture that wears babies, this is a great place to start. So elders or folks from your community, but also most major cities have what's called baby wearing groups or baby wearing communities where they're typically free nonprofits where you can go Hmm. try on carriers and get help from educators. It's a great resource. There's also consultants like what I do who can teach you one-on-one. Sometimes they have classes um, and help you get fitted correctly. This episode is brought to you by the New Mom Survival Guide, an online digital course and community created by me, Dr. Mona Amin. Using my experience as a board-certified pediatrician and mom, I created this course to guide you through your first year of motherhood. From the foundations of parenting, newborn feeding, sleep in the first year, introduction of solids, and understanding child behavior and development, I will be your guide and support you throughout this incredible journey. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and be one of the first to get your hands on this incredible resource created to support and empower you as you embark on the joyous path of parenthood. So what would you say are the biggest mistakes you see people make when they start to baby wear? So Carriers actually have to be compliant. They have Mm -hmm. to meet certain safety standards, just like car seats, right? Is that we know that they meet these minimum testing standards. And I think what is happening with e-commerce and with buying things online is that people tend to listen to their friends and then go searching on sites like Amazon where they are not necessarily required to be compliant. So I tend to see carriers who don't pass testing standards. This is important. And they just don't really know what features are important to them. And then they never try on a variety. And so they're not able to compare and contrast. And one of the biggest things also that from a pediatrician standpoint is I always get asked about hip placement. Because the hip placement is actually really important, like that you're putting the baby incorrectly because of um, something called developmental dysplasia of the hip. Do you hear that? Do you see that? Do you teach families how to correctly place baby? Can you describe how they should be placed in like a carrier? Sure. So developmental dysplasia of the hip is really primarily genetic, right? Mm -hmm. So we do tiny bits of screening for it here. Most countries actually do a little bit more screening than we do. Um, You know, I can go on all day about that. But really, most carriers now have the ability to adjust the width of the carrier, which is fantastic. Mm 
So what that means is we can keep baby in a spread squat position where their knees are at or higher than their bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but most newborns, or really all newborns, are born in this squatted position. They have the expectation of being held, right, or being worn. Also because of, you know, how we carry them in our bodies, how they're born, but they are naturally in the spread squat position. And so really any carrier is going to be an ergonomic carrier in the mm-hmm. beginning. And then over time, what's nice is if you have a wrap or a ring sling, which is custom always, that will maintain that position. But almost all buffalo carriers now have the ability to gradually widen the carrier as the baby grows to support this position, which is wonderful. That is great. And in terms of like how long you can baby wear for, I mean, I'm sure weight limits on these carriers, correct? There are, but most of the weight limits now you'll almost never reach. Right. It's similar to infant car seats where it's really just good marketing. Um, <laughs> most of the weight limits on carriers are around 40 to 45 pounds. That could easily be a young toddler. Yes. And then there's also toddler carriers and preschool carriers if you want to continue to wear. So you have lots of options to keep doing it if you'd like. There are reasons to continue wearing for longer periods of time. If you have a child that has um, limb differences or special needs or medical needs, a carrier can be an absolute, you know, godsend, amazing tool for you. I have children on the spectrum. And so a carrier really was incredibly important for us to keep my child safe. But really, it comes down to personal preference of your family. Are you an active family? You may want to carry longer if you're out hiking. You know, your child gets tired. You may not be wearing them as many minutes or hours per day as they get older, but it's still a nice tool to have for those days when they get tired or they just need a little closeness. And one common question parents ask about baby wearing is, is there a time where we go from facing you versus facing out? Or is that a preference? I know a lot of it has to do with development as well. But what are your thoughts on when you switch them? So it definitely is about development. There isn't a magical age, but for baby to be able to face forward or face outward world face, they need to be able to have complete head and neck control and clear the top of the panel of whatever carrier that you're using. So there really is no set age. Sometimes that's four months, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's six months. And the nice part is, is by that point, something like hip dysplasia is really less of a concern. So by the time you even get to that stage, we're not as concerned about baby's hips, which is nice, but it's very cultural. The United States very much wants the option to face the baby out. In other countries, they're not interested in that. So I think it's just good to remember that each country, each culture has very different views of how a baby can be worn. But I see it as a natural orbit. The baby is high and tight on your body, kissable height when they're a newborn. And then they sort of move over to your hip, right? You naturally start carrying baby on your hip. And then you can face baby out if you want, if your baby's curious. But also they can move to your back. So that's also a great next stage if you enjoy baby wearing and you want your front free. Oh, I love this. And I love that you brought up the cultural aspect, right? Because I think in America, baby wearing is common, but it's not really as common as I know it happens in a lot of older communities and cultures. I mean, we see it all over the world. So this is why I thought this episode was so important is that I want parents to understand the benefits and if it's something that works for them. And I think this is just so great. What would be your final message for everyone listening? Maybe a parent who wants to baby wear or, you know, something uplifting for all of our listeners today. I think that really, if this is something that appeals to you, there is a carrier for you. So there are lots of great free options for help, not only in your community, but 
Often I think parents are afraid to turn to the manufacturers of their carriers, but all of them I know have free one-on-one help. So you're Mm -hmm. definitely not alone. And if it's something that you want to do, there is definitely ways that we can help you do that. That is wonderful. And where can everyone find you in terms of website, Instagram? Um, I want to put this all on my show notes for everyone to be able to get your resources. So my business is mama, M-A-M-A bird, Los Angeles.com. Same handle on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also available at babywearinghelp.org. I have a free map of baby wearing help where you can find help in your community if you just plug in your zip code. And I also run Baby Wearing LA, which is one of the largest baby wearing communities in the United States. I also sit on the board of our industry's trade organization, and I always recommend caregivers and other professionals get familiarized with the Baby Carrier Industry Alliance. Laura, thank you so much. This was actually so helpful for someone who, you know, I, again, I did it for three months. I loved it for the first three months. And I think for me, it changed when he just was getting so upset facing me and then having to go world facing. He hated it. And I think maybe if I had more help or guidance, we would have loved it a little bit more, but we moved to a stroller and it worked for us. But when I have a second child, I may reach out to you um, because maybe it's something that I would want to do. Like, truly, this was so interesting and helpful for me. And so many of my followers ask about, you know, baby wearing and help. And I think the resources you have provided, I can't wait to put on the show notes and, you know, allow people to get the help they need so that if this is something that they want to do, it works for them. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking.